This is Blue Wire. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 13 of the Trench Warfare Podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Thorne, and this podcast is presented by Blue Wire. And today, I'm actually going to be interviewing former Cincinnati Bengals and at the end there, Baltimore Raven right tackle Willie Anderson, who I think should be in the Hall of Fame one day. Uh, He had 184 starts over 13 years. He's a multiple-time All-Pro, Pro pro Bowler. I believe he went to five first-team All-Pros and then, or three first-team All-Pros, five total, five Pro Bowls. Um, He only allowed 13 sacks in his career. So he had a, a legendary career, really, with Cincinnati. And um, he played right tackle before, obviously, now right tackles get a lot of recognition, uh, more so than they did, I think, back then in the late 90s, early 2000s time frame when it was more of a left tackle type centered game, at least, you know, in, in terms of mainstream recognition. So it's it's cool to be able to talk to him. But um, but yeah, Willie, uh, welcome to the show and uh, thanks for being here. Thank you, Brandon. I'm good. Thank you, bro. Yeah, no, no problem. So uh, I wanted to first go back a little bit. I mean, you went to Auburn, and uh, you got to block for a running back named Stephen Davis, who obviously had a really good NFL career with Carolina, and uh, I believe he played for Washington as well. So, um, you know, back at Auburn and, and just playing offensive line back then, could you just talk a little bit about what that was like for you? Did you play right tackle the whole time, and uh, just how did it – how did you settle into that spot? We flip flopped at Auburn. You know, I, you know, I'm from Mobile, Alabama. Mm-hmm. I was um, number one rated lineman in the country that year, as an All American. I was six eight player of the year in the state of Alabama. So um, Auburn had some um, probation stuff hanging over hanging over their heads before we got there. But um, we okay. were all told that we were all told that you know it, it would probably just be a loss of scholarships and wouldn't be a really big deal, but we found out that summer, <laughs> once we got to training camp, that it was going to be a two-year bowl ban and one year, my freshman year of 93, um, TV ban. So, uh, Stephen Davis had gotten there the previous year. Um, I think he was Pat Dye's last class, and you know, Stephen was nationally ranked number one running back, maybe the number one player in the country out of South Carolina, but um, we we had a guy uh, also hold over from hold over from Pat Dye's staff, uh, Pat Dye's regime, uh, James Bostic. So mm-hmm. we had two really good running backs, really great running backs that year. Uh, James Bostic led the league in rushing, and Steve was his backup my freshman year. You know, we went eleven and zero. We beat Alabama um, at Auburn, the first Iron Bowl there. I think you know in four or five years that never been there before. So. Oh, wow. That was a magical season for us to go undefeated my freshman year. I actually played guard. Um, I was uh, maybe, I think, strong side guard my freshman year. And I started, it took me a little while. I think I started the second game of the season and started about seven games straight, hurt my ankle, missed one or two games. I came back and finished the season out. And, um, you know, we, we, we dominated Alabama um, and we finished the season 11-0. So, there was no bowl game for us. We, we, we had to sit and watch other teams that we have been playing the SEC championship game and playing bowl games. And um, wow, you know that was kind of my, that was kind of my freshman year. So at Auburn, Terry Bowden had a unique offense. He, he was bringing in 
his dad's offense from Florida State. So, which at the, at the time kind of new and, um, you know, he and Steve Spurrier kind of brought uh, a passing game to the SEC, we love to say. But Terry still wanted to run the ball because we still had two big 230-pound running backs, you know. So my sophomore year, we started the season off 9-0. and So my first two years of college, we were like 20, we were like, we were like uh, 20 and 0. Our goal was to go 22 and 0, so we could try to mess up the ranking system. We we beat Florida, at Florida they were ranked number one. We ranked number four. We beat them. They dropped down to six. We didn't move one bit. <laughs> but uh, wow. that season, Stephen Davis, wow. Stephen Davis was our running back, and he showed he showed people that year why he was going to be a Hall of Fame candidate at tailback. You know, this guy 230 pounds that. Ran a four three eight forty, and uh, games like game the Florida game was the first game I think Florida gave up over a hundred yard rusher. We pounded with Steve and ended up beating them at the buzzer on a Frank Sanders, uh, Patrick Nix um, throw at the end of the game. But we, we pretty much ran the ball and uh, and beat a very talented Florida defense. Ninety four my my sophomore year they had Kevin Carter. That was the first time mm. I faced Kevin Carter. Yeah, sophomore, I think the, the Bengals told me really they drafted me more off what I did my sophomore season. Uh, oh, wow. I kind of hurt my junior year, missed a couple of games of sprained knee. But having guys like Stephen Davis, you know, like I say, who came to eventually Hall of Fame candidate tailback, and James Bostic, and we, we 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 have some really good players doing that run at Auburn. Yeah, definitely, and just the detail that you can recall there is is really cool to hear and impressive. And you said strong side guard, so I mean, so you so you flip sides depending on the where the run was going, basically. Uh, yeah, it was according to the field. Um, like you know, I played with a guy by the name of Wayne Gandy my freshman year. Wayne played fifteen years in the NFL. Wayne played split side tackle, so. Whatever side beat you to the field, it was really weird, and it kind of it kind of hurt. I felt it kind of hurt our development yeah. because we were changing up stances. You know, every damn play we <laughs> changed up a stance. And I mean, I'm on the left hand stand this time, and right hand stand this time. You know, um, it, it really came it really came to affect us. My sophomore year, we played LSU, man, and uh, we didn't score one single damn touchdown, and they had us up like 26 to. So crazy that twenty six to three, I think it was, going to the fourth quarter, and our defense scored four touchdowns. <laughs> we, we, we beat we beat LSU. I mean, the, the the game is on YouTube. It's it's an unbelievable game. Um, but uh, we 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 struggled that game as an offensive line because they had they had two really good defensive ends. Um, and it's crazy that that's part of my worst game I had in college. It was my sophomore year. Uh, I played against a guy by the name of Gabe Northern, who played at, um, I think Gabe was the second or third round pick that year to Buffalo. But they really gave us problems. And, was, and I joke with my friends about the worst game I played my soft, the worst, the worst game I played at college, the rookie cards, they made they made a rookie card out of that game for me. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so a year later, I left my junior year. There's my, there's, my, there's my rookie card of me taking a bad kick step Against Gabe Norton, who's just <laughs> it was crazy, man. Like, man, out of all them, all the damn games y'all had to pick, y'all picked the worst game I played in college. We, 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 we didn't get up in the, I didn't get up in the sights against him. It was just, we just played technically bad, man. We couldn't. It was just, it was, for some reason, 
at Auburn and my, my, my time there, uh, we just have we, – we'll have a game where we just can't do anything right. Yeah. And, and I don't know why those yeah. type of games come about, but that was our game. But look at our defense played the ass off and scored four touchdowns in the fourth quarter and we won the game. Yeah, that that is yeah, pretty. That, that that, that's a crazy story. And so, at your junior year, did you play right tackle? No, we did it again. We we flip flop. So okay, same left thing. Tackle, right tackle, left tackle, right tackle. Uh, you know, but in the in the in the nineties, I came out my my junior year, and I tell people during the nineties, you know, it was a run dominated league when I got into the league. You know, it was all about. Yeah. Who had the best running back and the best running game? Like today's, it's all about the quarterbacks. Now we needed quarterbacks back then. Don't get me wrong, the quarterbacks were still very important, but the running backs were the superstars of the, of the league too. Like right now, you don't really have any superstar running backs, you know. But just in our division alone, that was my rookie year, Garrison Hurst, um, Corey Dillon came my second year, so we had Corey Dillon, Jerome Bettis. Eddie George, Jamal Lewis. Wow. <laughs> you know what I mean? All record-setting running backs, you know, just in that division. So, in that AFC North, man, like you, you know, when Marvin got there, you know, eight years into my career, you know, he had a stat that whoever gets to 120 yards rushing is going to usually win the game. And those usually were the kind of games we won in that division. You know, because from 96 to about, always say, when we got Carson, the league kind of changed. Carson Palmer came in my eighth year, and um, and Marvin came my eighth year, and I think Carson started to play his second year. But when the Bengals gave Carson Palmer that $100 million contract, we know then that our our concepts of football was going to change. You know, it, it now became you better be a good enough pass blocker to protect this kid. And you wouldn't be a running game, but no, but it's more about protecting a hundred million dollar guy back there. So yeah, I tell yeah. guys all the time I had to change up. We had to change up. I came into the league a solid pass blocker, but I developed into a better one as time got on my third year because I, I was a great run blocker in college because that was the times. The times were called for dominant run blocking guys who could get down and move guys with their hands and feet and get leverage and move guys. Right. But then in the middle of my career, it became about you better be shutting guys out as a pass protector, either side, because we had rushers. Like you said earlier, I had some of the top rushers in the history of the game to play over me at right tackle. So I know that's crazy, and 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 that's part of why it's so weird that you know right tackles didn't really get as much recognition as they do now back then. Even though you were blocking left ends like Michael Strahan, I'm pretty sure you know uh, Reggie White was in the league. Reggie White. Yeah, I block all those guys. I got, I have fam on my Twitter and my Instagram of, of me blocking. Oh yeah, I've seen. Um, the Bengals, the Bengals gave my my whole my, the Bengals uh, Travis Bemmer, uh video guy since now he gave him my whole career on hard drive. Oh man. So I have I have games on Twitter, and Instagram, me blocking Reggie White. Um, I face I've Jeff Hobson. Those. Yeah, Jeff Hobson of Bengals dot com did a story on me I think last summer. Mm-hmm. That's some 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 before uh, that I faced seven or eight of the top thirteen pass rushes of all time, and I got beat by Bruce Smith my rookie year. Bruce so Smith. I faced, so I faced Strahan, faced you know the great Reggie White, uh, Jason Taylor, uh, 
Peppers. Uh, Julius Peppers, uh, Kevin Green, Bruce Smith. So, so, so I, faced, I faced about seven of the top, seven or eight of the top 13 guys and hit those guys sackless. Now, yeah, that's know, crazy. That, that's that's so impressive. That, that, that was no internet back then. Right. So guys like you right. wasn't on Twitter breaking down my films and hey man, <laughs> the Bengals are losing, but that damn right tackle man, they thrown the ball thirty nine times, <laughs> and his guy hasn't gotten there yet. <laughs> you know right. what I mean? There was nobody to do that. You know, these guys today, I tell them man, you know, you guys are lucky the internet exists because people can watch Joe Thomas. You know, Joe played on losing teams for a lot, but yep. his brilliance was still recognized by people because of the cameras and the access to film. Yeah. You know, so we played, my, our whole thing was guys like, even when Andrew Whitworth came to the league, we played on, I played on losing teams, so no one cared if you were shutting your guy, but I said even more, I said, damn, we played on a losing team, I mean, I'm pass blocking a lot. Yeah. You know, we, we're, we're down. <laughs> You're always down. We're down, yeah. like, my, you know, my last year in Baltimore, it felt so good to play a dominant defense to where, you know, you're in the fourth quarter. I told John that I was going to say, Jail, man, if I played here for 12 years, damn, this this easy as hell. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm like, shit, in the fourth quarter, we you, you got a lead, you can run the ball. Yeah. At Cincinnati, shit, myself and Levi Jones and uh, uh, one time Rod Jones and uh, uh, Andrew Whitworth and these guys, man, you know, we Richmond well for a year. Man, we in the fourth quarter, throwing the ball twenty times in the fourth quarter to even to come back. You know what I mean? Just even, you know, it was so bad sometimes in Cincinnati. Our coaches would be just trying to score a late touchdown, man. Just so the score would be lopsided. I remember John Kidman said one time, "Man, the hell with this. I'm down the ball. I'm like, let me keep making you guys pass block. We down three and a half. Touchdowns. We down three, three and a half touchdowns. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, and that's, we still that's got up the pass blocking for some guy to get a cheap late sack. Right. And you know what I mean? Yeah, it's pad their stuff. Like it was just went through a lot of dumb shit in my career, man. Yeah. So, man, you know. it, it's crazy the stuff that players go through, especially guys really, really good like yourself that you know, what they go through, especially offensive line on teams that aren't winning. I mean, I can't I can't even imagine. You you touched on a bunch of it there, but that's such an underrated part of the game I think that people don't think about late in the games on a losing team season after season having to pass block guys like Strahan and White and Smith and still you know play at a high level it's it's crazy and so and so my pro bowls and all pros so in 99 my fourth year so from 99 to 99 2000 or one or two from 99 to 02 I mean you, you would think I'm lying Paul Alexander is now on Twitter. You can ask Paul. Ask Paul, what did he have me down for sacks from 99 to 02? It's about one sack. I went, I went three years without a sack during that period. Wow. And I remember, I remember in 99, I made, uh, <laughs> you know, the late, great Dr. Z's all-pro team. And yeah. I was so happy that someone just, you know, I remember Paul and I both just being so damn happy that somebody – recognize me because I'm like, damn, man, I'm, we do, I'm doing all this stuff. And you no, know, I'm watching guys go to the Pro Bowl. I'm like, damn, really? <laughs> and, and, you know, I'm like, do I got to win for me to go? Like, you, you, you can't see that 
you know, I, I was even more proud when Corey went for the first time. Yeah. I was like, but then when these, at least see these going, at least somebody's seeing the work that we're doing. I mean, you know, we, we, we played in season, man, where Corey Dillon set the NFL, just bad quarterback play, man. Corey Dillon set the NFL rushing record with 278 yards. Yes. And we passed for nine yards. Oh, my gosh. That's we passed crazy. for nine yards. Bro, look it up. Nine yards we passed for. That's insane. Corey first, his first 22 carries, his first, hold on, we passed for, it's a 9 or 12 yards. But I know Corey, Corey's first 9 or 10 carries went for losses. Wow. And all of a sudden, man, we just started, we just started breaking up. I mean, he brought, he brought the record on 22 carries down there. Yeah, that's <laughs> you know what I mean? crazy. That's Didn't he have like eight or 9,000 yard seasons in a row or something like that? Something like that. I know he, yeah. I know he had from 97, 97, 98, like 99, 2001, 2002. I think he had about six or seven straight, I think. Something like that. Yeah. Then he got, he got hurt Marvin's first year. And we, that's when Rudy stopped playing. Yep, so I, I think the O three season was the first year he didn't he didn't play get, get a thousand yards. But if Corey Dillon had a, a pat if Corey Dillon had a decent passing game, I mean, we we had to figure out ways to block nine guys in the block. We can we can get we can get eight done. We tell Corey, hey man, the last guy that's your guy. Yeah. You <laughs> know, you know, right. we, you know, you know, Corey just to get you know, Corey was never playing defense the way we playing cover two. Because of the passing game, you know, he he, he faced an eight and nine man box. Yeah, that makes it even more impressive. He actually had eleven hundred or more for six straight years, and then he had six straight. Yeah, and then he had twelve hundred for four straight. So yeah, I mean, super productive. With no passing game, man. Yeah, like that's crazy. Core should be a back that should be easily a Hall of Fame talent. Yeah, that he that goes, context he, doesn't get mentioned much with him. It doesn't get mentioned, man. He goes to the he goes to the he goes to the Patriots, play with Tom Brady, leads the league in rushing. <laughs> yeah, had sixteen hundred in oh four and yeah. But I mean Yep. So, you know, so it, it, it it's just it's just kind of a different game. You know, I want different game, man, that we we would we would have had, you know, that kind of quarterback play and you know, offensive offensive creativity, you know, that we didn't have during those years. Yeah, and, you know, looking at the game back then, I was fortunate enough in the last couple of years to get probably about 10 or so coaches' copies of games back then, and I posted something on yeah. Twitter review and, uh, like, of the Chiefs' offensive line because I remember watching them in high school, you know, another really good underrated unit. Uh-huh. And just watching the game back then, the guys were – I mean, offensive linemen, it seemed like you guys were a lot bigger. Obviously, you, you know – you Yeah, were, guys are bigger. Yeah, you ran block yeah, a lot more, so it made sense. But yeah, yeah, guys are bigger, but but guys still. The misconception is that we were bigger and we weren't athletic. I mean, I mean, yeah. Name off. I tell guys. I tell guys all the time. I say, okay, so we're, oh, the guys, the defensive ends are faster now. It's okay. Well, they may be smaller and faster, but I said, but go go look at the quality of defensive ends that guys. Not saying oh, that any error is better. Just just to, to contradict when guys say. Oh, there's more athletic linemen now. No, they're smaller. They're yeah. smaller. Yep. I mean, I mean, you, you, I, I think you come in at one time. You showed a clip of uh, myself, uh, Bobby Williams, and myself. 
Yep. You know, Bobby was at three. Bobby was at three sixty. I was at three forty. <laughs> but I, I'm I'm playing I'm playing against Julius Tupper though. Still Julius Tupper. Right. Yeah. Exactly. You know, Javon Javon Curse is still six six four three. Yeah. Jason <laughs> you know Taylor I mean? was a great athlete. Jason Jason Taylor. Jason Taylor. These guys are still great athletes. You know. Uh, uh, Definitely. Just go off and name them. Like those, the guys I named earlier from the nineties, you know, the two thousands. You got the Robert Matheses and the Dwight Freenies and right. Jason Taylors, and oh, you know yeah. it, it, it still it still was a a, a brand of balls. The Simeon Rice's. Yep. Yeah, there's plenty Athletic, of athletes. Really, really good defense. I think guys now can get away with being smaller defensive ends. So I think you don't need the three hundred and forty pound tackles anymore. Right. You know. Yeah, you, you got guys that Lane. If I, I trained Lane, and Lane had me come out to Oklahoma City, and I, he told me a story that he said, "Bro, I was a quarterback in high school." Yeah, I was like, I was like, wow, it you know, is crazy. Linemen line, line today have abs. Mm-hmm. Right, <laughs> right. I mean, these guys, these guys have bodies that they they can be proud of. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, it's. It's different. It, it, a lot of different requirements from offensive line today. And I, I just heard Paul Alexander on a podcast. He was saying when he got into coaching, he had to teach guys how to pass protect, and now he has to teach guys how to run block. Exactly. I mean, exactly right. I mean, Paul, Paul spent we, we spent so much time. Like Paul and I almost we can't. Paul came to the Bengals I think a year before me, two years before me, became the O line coach. The year before I got there. So Paul and I kind of grew up together, you know, uh, and a lot of a lot of techniques that he teaches today, he teaches because he and I uh, either accidentally came up by them, you know, or we planned on coming. Like he he taught me he taught me uh, not becoming a puncher, a grabber, which is so which is so anti. Uh, some guys, some guys, everybody wants right. to be puncher. Everybody think off the line and punch. I said, but you watch the really great offensive linemen, and they just stab guys. They don't yeah. punch. When you know, I know a lineman. I know a couple of linemen that were in the NFL when I played. I'm not gonna say their names, but they were known as really great, pretty punchers. Hmm. And they punch your chest, they will knock your ass on your ass. <laughs> but when they miss, they miss horribly. Yeah, they look, they look bad when they miss. There's a couple guys so, like that now, but not a lot that I've seen. Yeah, and, and I'm like, I'd rather just block the guy and be in front of him when the play is over with. Right. Yeah, that's what it's you know all I mean? about. And and when the play is over with, he's still struggling trying to get past me. I got it. <laughs> yeah. You know, you know, because my my rule was, I'm going to wait till you touch me. If you touch me, I'm gonna block you. Right. If you don't touch me, we'll just dance. And guys who didn't know me, who didn't play me twice a year, they thought because I was a big guy. Oh, we're just gonna speed rush the Bengals. No, we're all basketball players. We want you to speed rush us. Hmm. Like, you know, and I, I joke all the time about Javon Curtis. I said, man, Javon, I played Javon twelve times, never gave a sack up to him. But Javon puts the most pressure. He puts the most pressure on you more than anybody. I would say, next to Dwight Freeney, he just makes it so un- because he was so damn fast. Yeah. I mean, off you can't imagine being seeing six six, four three eight off the corner. But I knew because he was so tall, he would never give me an inside move. 
And I trained blockers to death, man. Cause if you make guys like Javon was so tall, if Javon had an inside move, he'd probably beat me for 15 sacks. Yeah. Because the way the way the way I was set on him, I was set, I was not set that way on any other defensive end, only on him. Because I knew he wanted to race up the field and beat me. I said, oh, no, he's not going to beat me with one move. If he has two moves, he's going to destroy me. Because his first move, speed move, is so damn fast. But most speed guys don't have, you know, they don't really have counter moves. Like a fast wide receiver, you know, sometimes don't have the greatest hands. You know, uh, the highest jumping defensive, highest jumping basketball player don't really have a jump shot sometimes. (laughs) Right. Yeah, you know that's what, I mean? what makes Freeney's so, spin move so deadly, right? So deadly because he can set up both. Right. And, and I train, I train guys. Not Brandon. Man, look, it's usually the second move is gonna beat you. You know. Mm-hmm. You know, Paul. Paul call it admiring your work when you get a good blocking like guy and you admire your work. Like, you know, it, but it's usually the second move. I teach guys that now. Like, it's usually the second move you get beat on the second move. So if a guy got, a, if a guy got two moves. To me, he's dangerous. Gotcha. If he has three, he may be a Hall of Famer. Right. You know what I mean? But you know what I mean? But if you got two, that's that's two really good moves, and not knowing when the guy's going to throw them, that's that could be a headache. Three, he's a Hall of Famer. So as a lineman, I got to shut down your best move. Right. I want if your best move is inside, like with the Bengals with us, I tell Bobby to Bobby. Whenever one of my defensive ends come inside, bro, and if it's, if it's a slide protection, which the Bengals would rather, that's another thing. Paul didn't allow chips. Really? He didn't allow them. Like, no, we're going to block these motherfuckers with how they're going to be. And I I tell, I said, Paul, you got to start telling people that. I tell them that when I played. People got to know, man, that we we on the island. Levi Jones and I, we on the island. Andrew Whitworth and I, we on islands because Paul don't allow chips. He says, he said it's a, it's a disgrace to his coaching. <laughs> so we were trained to be one-on-one, mono, and every now and then you may get a slide protection, you hope. But with, with me, they would slide the other way. It was a slide. So when I did get a slide, I would say, Bobby, I'm going to let him come inside. Crack him. And, you know, you know Bobby Williams. Bobby Williams' head is the size of a helmet. <laughs> so we carry <laughs> We carry any ET inside. We would carry the guy. We didn't just throw him. We would carry him to him. So I would basically take my defensive end and feed him to Bobby. <laughs> and oh, <man. laughs> so, so on film, you at the defensive end, you see anytime, you know, you could get hurt if you go inside on Big Willie. You know, yeah. I, and I'm gonna try to finish you to the center. I'm gonna do something to scare you. You know, I might hook you around your neck. I'm gonna finish you where you might get your knees crumpled down. And or if it's a slide, Bobby gonna KO you, right. buckle you. We gonna do something. We are gonna do something to hurt you, so you would see on film. I'm not going inside on Big Willie. Yeah, yeah, that's a good so deterrent. So I would get two rushes all the time. I would get a speed rush and a bull rush. <laughs> because you know on ETs, the E would always call the E off because he was he was afraid to go inside the ET. So you know we had a thing where. We call it putting the fires out early. You know, we hmm. I remember when we had a young left side with Whitworth and um Eric Steinbach. Yeah. They were just getting all I said, Bobby, 
they're going to get all the ET games over there. We're not getting no damn games. <laughs> you know, because we're going we to put these fires out early. And I would tell Whit, I said, man, hey, you got to put them fires out early because if they see on film, you guys can't handle the ET game or T games, you're going to get them shits all game. And we were a young player then, so we had to help him out, understand that and learn that. But on our side, why are we getting straight rush? <laughs> that's, right. that's, that's, easy fo- that's easy football because if you go inside on me, you could get hurt. Yeah. Now, I'm not trying to hurt you, but the possibility you can get hurt if you go inside. So I would get a speed rush and a bull rush. <laughs> yeah, that. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Man. You don't see a lot of that in today's NFL. I mean, you still see a little bit of it as far as having a guard who can really, like, change the way a guy plays the game. I think of, uh, I don't know how much you've seen it, like, Kelechi Osemele when he was in Oakland. I mean. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. yes. I mean, that was a guy, him and Donald love, Penn uh, out there. Oh, I mean, Donald Penn would love playing beside. Oh, my goodness. Because yeah. once, once you, because you just know, as a lineman, as a guard of chapter, you know if you guys are really good, you can set a tempo. Like right. and it'd be so it to be so like watching assembly and pen when them guys running powers and oh my oh, god, man. like it was just it was it was it was it was tone setting football and that's what Bible and I do. Bible and I go we we started to see we still Paul like we are gonna see can we get the three technique and put him on the back of his head. Yeah. <laughs> right. So now Deuce when Park. you see me when you see me tighten down my split you think everything's a double team block. So the three technique, he started to get scared because he don't want to get put on his head because I tell, I even tell guys I train, I say, man, put good stuff on film to scare D linemen when they watch film with you. So when Bobby and I double team, we pride ourselves being the best double team deuce block in the league. Yeah. Because we're going we're gonna to punish this three technique to the point to where when he thinks it's a double team, guess what we started doing? Hitting the ground. So yeah. now we say, Paul, just run 45 counter because Bobby can go on up to the backside linebacker. I'm going to just lay on. I'm going to just go scoop this backside three and lay on because he's, he's laying on the ground. <laughs> now it's big gapping holes backside <laughs> right. because we, we make 45 counter look like 24 power. And it, just, it, it, it becomes so fun there, man. That's, that's a part of the game where – linemen and line coaches guys know that part of the game is just the fun part of the game when you just physically can whip guys ass in the run game right and it's one of the reasons when guys come train with me i don't put this on film a whole lot because guys you know guys guys think i only pass, i only train pass blocking but i start off every day in run block because i think you got to have the mentality in the run blocking to carry it over to pass blocking like Pass, pass pro is not a finesse play. Right. Yeah, it's pass pro is impassive. It's set up to be a finesse play, but the great players know it's probably more physical than them run blocking. Hmm. Because I'm, I'm retreating damn near. I got to fight this guy who's coming toward me to beat me to get, to get, to get the guy behind me. So I have to be more physical with this guy. I mean, because I'm I'm in a retreat position, you know what I mean. So yeah, I tell alignment that man, look, man, we pass pro is physical. We don't we're not we're not trying to kill him, but when I get my hands on this guy, I'm doing very physical things to him. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, no. Yeah. You know, I can get I can understand how pass protection is more stressful. 
you know, in a lot of ways, just because of that, you're moving backwards and you have to play with that mentality that you're going to attack him when you have the opportunity, you know, right? Control aggression. Control aggression. Yep. And I saw a quote just the other day from Richard Sherman about Cam Chancellor, who just got released from the Seahawks, who, even though it's, you know, obviously the other side of the ball, but still that physical element of the game. Yeah, he said, Sherman said, you know, with human nature, if you get hit, like he hits you, you're going to look out for your own safety the next time. You're going to look out for it, yeah. Right. I saw that too. Yeah, I saw that. That'll change the way you play the game. And, um, man, that's a part of the game that is gradually getting legislated out. And I just, it's sad because... I understand it, you know, in terms of the player safety thing, but at the same time, football. I mean, if you, it's hard to 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 find the best of both sides on that because in football, that part of the game is so important. I think for hitting, blocking. I mean, if you take out that physicality, I mean, really, you're going to change the game so much. I mean, and I know it's already happening, but man, it's just kind of sad to see that element of the game you know, disappearing a little bit more because it just changes the type of players that are going to be in the game. You know, I guess it's just part of the evolution, but, man, it's it's cool to hear about how it was then and still – you can still see it here and there if you look close enough, I think. Yeah, I think, you know, little kids are going to grow up. They're going to see what we were doing, and they're going to look at the way we played, how we looked at when guys – we've seen guys in the 1950s clotheslining guys. Right. Like, damn. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> With no face masks on. We're going to like, damn, these guys were just barbaric back in 1996 and 2005 and six and seven. These guys are barbaric. Look at look how old they look. And uh, <laughs> right. because change is coming, like you know, I was I put it on Twitter a couple weeks ago. I was in a NFL meeting about offensive line play and safety and concussion stuff. And you know, things gonna change. You know, line coaches are gonna start teaching different techniques. You know, they're gonna start teaching things that guys and guys pull. You know. It's, you know, it's, it's going to start being legislation coming down, rules change coming down. That if the rule, if the technique don't change, you know, they they're going to call penalties on a <laughs> get this, Brandon, a pulling guard. Yeah, that, I remember and you pulling, talking about that. That's crazy. <laughs> you know what I mean, it, it's coming, man, because they they're going to release this information about you know concussion with linemen, and um, right. I think you know it, it's going to make people change where they coach. I think guys like myself. Uh, and the Duke Manyweather and the Charles Charles Bentley and these guys who and any guys around the country who are training linemen, I think it's kind of our job, and I want the NFL to kind of acknowledge the stuff that guys like us do on the outside with the, with the game because me I deal with like the Charles and Duke deal with all the pro guys. When I got into the game, I didn't want to. When I got into the training business, skill skill development. I, I, I did it with my son. My son's a receiver, and I had to learn everything about how to throw a football. My son's playing quarterback, so when he go to quarterback training, I would, I would train too. Receiver training, some of my some of my training I teach with my drive and kicking stuff come from me learning, me watching a video, you know, um, guys call it drive catch. I call it drive kick because I still call it a kick set because that's what I call it. But yeah. I do understand the guys driving from that front leg because I learned that from my watching a video of Ocho Cinco, my former teammate with the Bengals. Um, I, it was about 2012, I think. I was watching a video one late night of him training some receivers. And you know, I, I was that obsessed dad trying to get my son trained and because I, I didn't want to pay for college. 
And yeah. he ended up getting 30 offers, yeah. and we signed with Georgia Tech, and uh, I'm not paying for college. That was, that was my goal. That's really started training. And I found out through Chad, you know, I'm a lineman. I thought receivers all drove from their back foot, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and I found out, I said, oh, shit, they drive from the front leg. I said, that's actually faster than a tackle taking that big, long-ass kick versus a speed rusher. Right. So me having a son, man, that wasn't a natural football player. My son was fast, four three forty, can jump out of the world. But we didn't grow up playing football because I didn't want him to play football. I tried to try to everything in the world to make him a basketball player. But he taught me patience. You know what I mean? I had, I had to hold my, I had to, I had to bite my tongue and you know not look upset and and, and cheer my son on. So that helped me with training. And I would have so many parents begging me. To help their sons out off of the line plan, I'm like, ma'am, I can't. My son can't play. He can't play either. <laughs> you know what I mean? Who's going to help my son out? And so I got to get my son to Ray Buchanan and you know, get him trained by all these receiver guys and quarterback guys. And and once he got signed, I start, I started the Willie Emerson Lineman Academy. Gotcha. And my focus was, you know what? I'm going to make a dent. I want to make a dent at the high school and middle school level because I can't take something. I, I saw seven, I still see seven or eight grade coaches running big kids out of football because they're dog cussing them out. They're not teaching them a damn thing. And they're not making it fun because that coach's son may be the quarterback and you go to a seven, eight grade game and the parents of an eight grade lineman don't know what their son is doing. Right. You know, I can but that neighbor's kid just scored three touchdowns, and they said, "Well, what is Billy doing? Well, my son coming on every day. Uh, what, what, you know, and you know, so so what happened is you get parents start saying, my son not playing no damn off of the line.' <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean? They don't understand it. And right. I got coaches in Georgia right now that are saying they're losing linemen, Brandon. They're losing kids. They're losing kids, and they're so afraid that that seven or eight grade coaches are going to run kids out of football because they see what the 707 is doing for the quarterbacks. They see the receivers getting trained and God going his ninth, 10th grade year to run every damn route in the route tree. They see a defensive lineman go to my boy Chuck Smith and train pass rush moves, and he can beat linemen in the 10th grade. Well, offensive line training is not popular yet. Not that pop. That's why I hate when guys start to fucking argue over fucking techniques and shit. I hate that shit. Yeah, because they're all in the I, same. I hate it because the, 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 they're oh, all man, trying to do the same thing. Yes, it, and it's gonna it's gonna kill it's gonna kill the 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 brand of offensive lineman development when we we are on Twitter arguing about you know whether this block call like you know whose techniques are the best. You know, I tell Duke that I ain't told the child that. Look, man, look, man, we all trying to do the same thing, further the game. Right. You know what I mean? And we know the most important position to us is off of the line play, and we know on all levels is the most undercoached. You know that. Yeah, definitely. And people who who who, who not like a Brandon Thorne or not like Willie Anderson, they don't know in the, they don't know in the NFL. You don't go to get coached in the NFL. <laughs> Yeah. Anymore. Yeah, it's rare. Yeah. Oh. 
they want ready-made guys. Oh, no, you got you got some guys that some coaches that are, but the guys I say, man, my coach said we don't have time. I've been in I've been in a training I've been in a training camp where a head coach goes off on off of the line coach, <laughs> and the line coach looked at me and said, man, when the hell we got time to work on technique in training camp? I said, oh damn. Yeah. That's... And the head coach said, why are these guys not skilled enough to do that? I'm like, when we got time to do that? We just put in 10 new blitz packages, pick up. <laughs> <laughs> right. I got I to teach that. Yeah. It's more <laughs> that's, about that, scheme. That's, recent. that's in the last three or four years. I've, and I see it all the time. The O-line coaches, the assistant O-line coaches, are all so stressed out doing training camp in the season. They don't have time, man, to work on true development. That's why I've been saying, man, the NFL needs to hire guys like, you know, myself or a Duke or guys to work with guys on a Tuesday off day, on a on a Friday short day on a Friday. Yeah, definitely. And they think it's all about off season. No, but you know this, in season training needs to be trained too. Yeah, definitely. Because so, you know. yeah, that's. I mean, that's that's what's so cool to see about you, the Charles Duke, and others out there who are training offensive line. It's needed, and you guys are filling that that void that's in the market of offensive line play, really. I mean, it's that's it's just doing a lot for the game, a lot for offensive line play. Because people ask me when I go on podcasts, you know, like why is offensive line play down generally in the NFL? And I, I say some of the same things that you're saying. Like it starts early on because kids don't really want to play offensive line for a lot of different reasons. Uh, I think a big part of it is, you know, obviously it's not flashy. There's no statistics. You know, defensive linemen can get sacks, force fumbles, you know, we, um, we, 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 we don't have we, we don't have any cool shoes. Right. <laughs> you yeah, know what I mean? Stuff. Right there, we, don't have, we don't have any cool shoes. So you're like, man, I'm gonna go play D line. So I can I can put on D lineman shoes. Right. You know yeah. what I mean? And it just you know, and it it starts at all levels, man. Then I think with the advancement, I say all the time, I think offensive coordinators are taking the balls away from offensive linemen and their coaches. I think these guys want to go so fast that they're taking the time away from, you know, you know, we we, we just run a read option. So if the lineman missed the block, we just pull the damn ball, or we just we just run quick throws. So our line don't have to be developed to a five step, seven step pass block guy. Yeah, you know? you're seeing more of that. And I mean, so we want to do all that. You know, that's why that's why I quit coaching high school ball when. And when a guy told me, man, you tell a line to cut block. Oh, hell no, I'm not doing that. Because yeah. I take pride in when, when, when my friends see my line, oh, my line will look good. <laughs> <laughs> the, co- the coach said, we don't really need off the line. We just tell them to cut block. What? Yeah. I quit coaching there. Yep, I, I understand that. Man, well, Willie, we, I, you know, I took up a, a lot of your time, but, I mean, I appreciate you, you doing this and coming on and just, talking about offensive line play and all the knowledge you shared. I appreciate the time. And um, if you could just let everybody know where on Twitter, Instagram, and just uh, where they could follow you and, and anything else that you want to promote or talk about. Thank you. I, I first thank you for having me on because I'm, I'm a fan of your work and your knowledge of offensive line play first. I mean, that's, that's why I did this. I want to come on your show and do this. Uh, I so I appreciate that. that, what you do for the game. And, uh, but my Instagram and Twitter are both the same. The Big Willie seventy one seventy nine, Big Willie seventy one seventy nine. 
My website is willieandersonlimanacademy.net. Also, we also are selling, um, I have a, I have a pass, um, some videos called Intro to Pass Protection for Offensive Tackles. Um, you can find that at training.olineblock.com. Training.olineblock.com. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a package of 12 videos for a really great price. And they're not drill videos, but they're like kind of the, the ideology of pass pro for tackles, the mindset, the body position. And I think um been doing a really good job of selling those, man. People have been enjoying them. And we got more videos to come and camps. And, and we're here in Atlanta, Georgia training. So hit me up. We travel. Our travel schedule is getting busy right now. So having a good time, man, with this whole thing of, developing offensive linemen all right that sounds great everybody make sure you go check all that stuff out from from willie anderson you're not going to get that anywhere else and uh, again just thank you for the time and um everybody thanks for tuning in when you're selling online getting your orders out can be a real pain time consuming expensive so many carriers to choose from how do you know you're making the best choice That's why you need ShipStation.com. It's the fastest, easiest, and most affordable way to manage and ship your orders. ShipStation helps you get your orders out quickly, save money on shipping costs, and keep your customers happy. No matter where you're selling, Amazon, Etsy, your own website, ShipStation brings all your orders into one simple interface, making them really easy to manage from any device, even your cell phone. And right now, Trench Warfare listeners can try ShipStation free for 60 days when you use the promo code BLUE. There's absolutely no risk. You can start your free trial without even entering your credit card info. ShipStation works with all of the major carriers, including USPS, FedEx, UPS, even Amazon Fulfillment. So you can compare and choose the best shipping solution for you and your customer. No wonder ShipStation is the number one choice of online sellers. You'll ship more in less time with the best rates available. Just visit ShipStation.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in BLUE. That's ShipStation.com, then enter the promo code BLUE. ShipStation.com, make ship happen. Alright guys, so that talk with Willie Anderson was a lot of fun. Obviously, he has a tremendous amount of knowledge and experience that I think is absolutely invaluable for people out there who love offensive line play and NFL history and just the history of offensive line as well, just in terms of how the game has changed for offensive linemen, some of the things that they've dealt with then and now, and the the differences, all of that different type of stuff that is all a part of the history of the game for me is extremely valuable and I hope for you as well that stuff shouldn't get lost on us because I, I really believe that the past really shapes the present and the more we can understand that in the context of the NFL and offensive line I think the more knowledgeable we'll be in general about the position and sort of where it's going as well. So um, Willie was a great guy to have on. I think really he he has a strong case to be a a Hall of Famer one day. And, um, you know, just to to be able to talk to a guy like that who I've watched over the course of, you know, the last 15, almost 20 years at this point is is incredible. Um, And just the things that he's doing now with kids and, and mentoring them and making them better players. It's all, it's just really cool. I hope you guys enjoyed that time. And 
that special interview and, and podcast episode there. And uh, please rate, review the show if you if you get a chance. Um, that, that that is really a, a, a big thing for us and, and much appreciated. And again, just uh, stay tuned for next week. I'm going to bring you another guest, and uh, thank you for tuning in.